I'll never forget when my teacher came to my speech room a couple years ago and said, hey, Rose, our data is being subpoenaed for this court case and uh, a lawyer wants it. And we had to make copies of our entire data binder. Now, if you know anything about me, I'm extremely type A when it comes to all things work. So my data is on on hit. It is looking good. I'm taking data every single session. We are analyzing data. We are making treatment decisions about data. But if you are wanting to learn more about your data collection, you are in for a treat today. In episode 143 of the Autism Outreach Podcast, I am talking all about data collection. I'm talking about trial by trial. I'm talking about cold probe data, task analysis. How do we keep very specific data so that we can report our data in a specific way and show that our learner is making progress or that we need to troubleshoot our intervention. Welcome to a solo show. I can't wait for us to learn more about data collection together. You're listening to Autism Outreach Podcast, a podcast full of ready-to-use strategies to help those with autism strengthen their communication skills. Here's your host, Rose Griffin of ABA Speech, a speech therapist and board-certified behavior analyst who shares tips you can use in your next therapy session. Welcome to episode 143 of the Autism Outreach Podcast. It is a solo show today. I'm talking all about data collection. I want to talk to you about data collection for communication-based goals for your autistic learners. And I want to share with you actionable tips and strategies that I have used as a school-based and clinical therapist. Um, From the SLP brain I have and my BCBA brain, all about getting data on communication goals. I also am going to share in the show notes a link that goes to a blog that I did about data collection. And it will have a couple data sheets for you. I have found that over the years, a lot of places are transitioning to electronic data, electronic data. And I, this past year, if you really follow my work, I hope you do. um, I stepped away from my position in a public school and a clinic to focus on ABA speech and my family. And so I don't have as many clients. I am still doing direct therapy, but just a little bit during the week. Um, I'm licensed in Washington State and Oregon. And so I see some students there for therapy and I do some SLPA supervision, speech therapy assistant, if you're not sure what that means. And so I don't have as many students. And so I do like paper, and pencil data. When I was in the schools and COVID hit, I did transition to more of an electronic form, but it was just a homemade version. So I'm going to talk to you about that too. I wasn't using any type of subscription service. The district I worked in um, would probably have purchased that first if we would have asked, but it wasn't something that was a need. And so I just came up with my own system. Uh, 20 years working in the schools, every single year, Every single year is different because your caseload is going to be different and you're going to have different students and they're going to have a variety of different needs. So what I would always do is I would read over all my IEPs in the district I worked in. It was very small. So I did know the students or I knew students that were going to be coming up to me and were going to be on my caseload. And after I had full understanding of everybody's goals, then I put together my quote-unquote data 
binder or my data collection system. And I want to talk you through exactly what that data collection system looked like. I did actually have our school team had our data subpoenaed. Um, So the district, and honestly, the past 20 years, I have worked in very contentious (laughs) places. I think because the district I worked in was extremely affluent. And so um, most parents um, that had learners with autism or had more complex communication needs had lawyers and advocates. And that's really kind of what I'm used to. So I operate from this area of Uh, I do take data every single session. Um, That is really what I recommend because if we don't know where we're going, we, you know, if we're not taking data, if we're not analyzing it, we're not sure that our intervention is working. We're just kind of, you know, waiting in place. We're just not sure what we're doing. So I do take data every single session. I analyze that data, modify, tweak my interventions based on that. And then when progress report time comes around, that's it. I said it. I said the word progress reports. When progress reports ah, um, come around, then you're feeling really confident because you have this really specific data. So for students that I would see individually, for students that I would see individually, and we were working on more of a language type program. So maybe I'm asking a student personal safety questions. Maybe what is your name? Um, maybe I'm asking them to follow one-step direction to get a book. I am not going to be asking them those things 10 times in a row. I'm, I'm just not. Because some of these things I may work on a couple times during the session, but I might just take data on that first trial. So sometimes you may hear people call this cold probe data collection. Some people may call it discontinuous data collection. And what it means is I'm going to take data on the first time that I work on this particular target. Let's say it's what's your name. I like to work on personal safety questions with my students. I think that's very important for them and a really good first step in comprehension skills. And so let's say I have a student and we're working on answering personal safety questions and the target that we're working on, and we're just going to address one at first based on the learner profile, we're going to work on what is your name. And so I'm going to take data on that the first time I have a data sheet that I'm going to share with you in the show notes and you circle a plus or a minus. Now, I may work on that a couple times throughout the session. Maybe we generalize it. Maybe we take a walk outside into the larger school environment. We see our resource officer. That's a police officer in a building. A lot of schools have that. I really always loved my uh, resource officer that we had in my school. And I would just kind of, that's more my personality. I do... um, if you've been listening to the show, I do miss working um, with people in real life. So I'm looking about, I'm looking into going back into a little bit of therapy in person um, because I miss it. So anyway, um, I would tie in all the people in my building because they were all super friendly and definitely on board with helping students with communication. So I might tell the resource officer, hey, we're working on this goal. Um And can you ask the student, what's your name? Or can you say hi to the student and see if they respond back? Um, And so I might be working on that example, what is your name, a couple times throughout the session as seems natural and a good fit for the learner. But I might just be taking data on that first time working on it. So sometimes we call that cold probe 
data. And I did go to back in the day, oh man, when was that? That's before I had Juliana. So it was like 14 years ago. I was pregnant and there was a really cool autism conference through ABAI. They do just an autism conference and it was in Chicago. I had this really cool job in Austin, Texas. I was an autism facilitator and support specialist. And that year, those two years, I got to go to all these cool conferences. And then my job was to come back and share and disseminate that information with all the staff in our 35 school district. It was the coolest gig. Leander ISD, that was my jam. I love that. Um, it really set me up for what I'm doing now, right? I, I read journal articles, I go to conferences, and I you know, come up with my own presentations to share with you. Um, and so what they said at this very specific training that was one hour, uh, maybe two, and it talked all about what is going to give you better information, taking this trial-by-trial data, like a lot of speech-language pathologists do, especially if working on speech sounds, or taking this idea of discontinuous data, where we're taking it just on that first trial. And they really said, um, there isn't that much of a difference. Now, this was a presentation that I went to 13 years ago, um, but it is a different way to think about doing things. The way you might write your goals might be a little different. The way that you're logging your data might be a little bit different. And so I have for you in the show notes a link that will take you to a data sheet that has a plus and a minus, and you can write the skill in there. So if you like it, I love that. Let me know all about it over on Instagram or if you're in my ABA Speech Connection membership, I would love for you to share um, how this is going for your students. Another thing that I do for my students, if I'm working on something like speech sounds, um, so oftentimes we talk about autistic learners here who are not yet speaking or just starting to find their voice, but sometimes I'm working with students who are working on specific speech sounds. Maybe they're working on the K sound, and maybe they're working on it in isolation. So I say K and they say K. Um, and then if I'm working on a speech sound goal, I do tend to take continuous data collection. So if we're going to do 10 trials, I take 10 trials. And I like to just write it out. This is just me being 44 and old. I do like pen and paper data. Uh, so there is definitely a place for continuous data collection. I do think there's a lot of power in that. Now, when I was working in a non-public program, or when I was working at the Cleveland Clinic, we would graph our data. So in the field of ABA, we like to use graphs. And a lot of times people are using this for electronic data. But what's really cool, are there a lot of programs now, sometimes people just do it on Excel, but you can enter data points and then you can have it make a graph for you. Um, but way back in the day, I would graph. At one time I was working with an assistant, she would graph as well. And why we like to use a graph is that it does show us how a student is doing. We can look at that visual analysis and we can say, hey, is our intervention working? Is this making a difference for the learner? And if it isn't, we might need to troubleshoot. We might need to troubleshoot and say, okay, this is not working. These strategies, this evidence-based intervention is not working. We need to pivot. We need to try something different. Maybe we need to go back a step. Sometimes I say we have to go uh, back a step so we can take a step forward. And these are things that we can see in a more transparent way when we have that visual analysis. Now, when I was working at the public school, we had a really neat data sheet and I think it was the teacher that created it. 
but you didn't have to graph your data because it had a graph right there for you. So if a student was working on something and it was out of five trials and we did five trials, we got a percentage, we could just circle the percentage on the graph and we could see that. So when it comes to progress reporting time, when we're taking data on very specific examples, like what is your name, like a labeling target, then we can say, oh, you know what? They met criterion with this target and now we're moving on to a different one. Or maybe they're working on a handful of targets. Every single student is going to be different in that way. Uh, the other thing I want to share with you is something that was really an absolute game changer for me in my data collection. And it is a task uh, sheet, a task sheet. So that's what I call it. And this is part of the show notes as well. And what it means is we're going to keep specific data about the specific examples that we are working on. So let's say that we're working with Quinn and Quinn is a third grade student and they're an emerging communicator and they're ready to work on labeling preferred items. So Quinn, we know what their preferred items are. We got to know Quinn or they've been on our caseload for a while and we're going to work on these and we're going to keep data on very specific targets. And the nice thing about that too, on the task sheet, let's say that for Quinn, he really loves uh, Daniel the Tiger. And so that's going to be one of our very first teaching targets is going to be Daniel. So I went on Google Images or I have all these uh, multiple examples of Daniel because we know that we want to use multiple exemplar training. We want to have many examples. We don't want to just show one picture. When we show many, it allows us to plan for generalization. So we're going to show Daniel the tiger. We're going to get a baseline. We're going to show this target. We're going to try it one time, no intervention, just like we do in standardized testing. And we're going to note what was the baseline percentage. And then we're going to put on this task sheet in the show notes, it's going to say, what was the percentage and what date did this occur? Now, what's nice about that is that next session, we're starting to work on Daniel the Tiger, and now we're teaching. So if our student doesn't get it, we're providing whatever prompt is going to be helpful for them. And then we're systematically fading that prompting so that Quinn is going to be able to label their favorite thing, Daniel the Tiger, independently. What's nice about this data sheet is then you can see, well, how many sessions did it take for my learner to understand and be able to independently label Daniel the Tiger before we moved on to something different? This will give you an idea of your student's learning history and how fast are they acquiring these new skills. This is also amazing, the task sheet, for when you're going to report your very specific data on your progress report. So when it was my time for my nine weeks, I believe last year, I did not write progress notes. I know I might get back into that. I don't know. Keep you posted. But um, it was nice to have a little break. I'm not going to lie. But uh, writing the progress notes, what I would do is I get my data binder out. So I'd have a data binder. I'm going to talk about what was in that binder in just a sec. I would get my task sheets out to say, oh, okay. So for Quinn, we're working on labeling. And these are the labels that they mastered or met criterion with. And we're also working on label or uh, answering personal safety questions. And these are the ones that they're able to do. Oh, here's another objective. Oop, we didn't get to that one yet. Not yet introduced. However, we talk about that on the progress report. So it allows you this really way to be informed on your progress report. So that if somebody picks it up or your student moves out of district, they can say, oh, so Quinn's working on labeling and he's labeling preferred things. So he can label Daniel the tiger. He can label Pete the cat. He can label Chase's 
uh, from Paw Patrol, whatever it is, um, whatever's individualized for your student. And so I always try to be extremely specific in my data collection. And that allows me to have really robust intervention for my students. And it makes us make sure that we're not just checking a box that we provided therapy, that we're really analyzing what's going on in therapy. Because we know that every single session is therapeutic for language, whether you're SLP or BCBA, but that we also need to be analyzing how is the student doing so that if we need to modify our instruction or how we're presenting things to a learner, that we're going to be doing that. And we're not going to be wasting our students' time by providing intervention that's not helpful for them in in moving in um, moving beyond basic communication. So that's just a little to do. Now for my after COVID, I did start to use, and I think I even have it on my YouTube, a link for using a Google form to keep data. And I will look for that on my YouTube and I'll put that in the show notes too. So I didn't have enough students because I was three days a week in the public school I worked in um, for for the past 10 years. I had a manageable caseload and I didn't feel like I needed some type of subscription service to manage my caseload uh, data. So I created for some students Google Forms. And what I would do is I would go in from their IEP and I would put in the Google Form their goals or their objectives. And then you can actually link it onto your Google Calendar. So when you have the student, you can put their data sheet. I think I had my school librarian kind of help me with that because they were a Google teacher and they they knew how to do that. And so this would pop up every time I would see the particular student. And then I could fill out that information. And then once you fill out that information in Google Form, you can have it set up to go to a Google Sheet. And what that Google Sheet is going to do for you is just going to populate all the data that you've been entering each week for all the different sessions. So when you go to report your progress or you go for IEP time and present levels, you can get all that really specific data. So I will also link that YouTube video in the show notes. I really love this system and the fact that every single year we do need to check in and say, okay, who are we working with? What are their needs? Um, you know, if it was a student that I was just seeing on consultation, that was another form of data, I might just have a Google Sheet for the student. And maybe I share it with the team. Um, you know, I'm thinking of a middle school student where maybe I'm just kind of going into the classroom and I'm observing to see if they're applying whatever skill that we've been addressing. And I might just narratively write, you know, did I see the skill? How is the student? What did that observation look like? So I have a running log and I can show that I've been seeing the student. I can show what the progress is or what we're doing to help the student advance towards their goals. So in summary, I love to use continuous data collection if I'm working on something like a speech sound. So that's more of our trial by trial at times, I'll take discontinuous data collection or cold probe data collection on that first trial. I also really like to use Google Forms that go to a sheet with the idea that it's like a task sheet, which I'm going to put below so you can see those, those very specific examples that we're working on. And when I was setting up my data collection binders, if you're kind of trying to set up a data collection system for yourself, this is going to air towards the beginning of the year, is I would like to include the student's IEP or what their goals are. I also had a free calendar, which was uh, a lot of people have these, but Jenna Rayburn from Speech Room News, 
I believe that is her TPT store. Every year, she comes up with this free template. I would print that out. It's completely free if you go to her TPT store, Speech Room News, I believe, Jenna Rayburn. And I would circle, I would write at the top of the sheet how often the student is seen every single month. And then every single day that I saw the student, I would circle it so that I could look at each month and make sure that I was in compliance. And if my data was subpoenaed, like it was one time in 20 years, but it could happen to anybody, I wanted to make sure that I had all the specific dates right there. So if anybody ever questioned when I saw a student, I had it all right there. So I would have the IEP goals. I would have the free uh, template from Jenna Rayburn to just show where I was seeing the student each month or if there was a snow day. I'm here in Ohio. We used to have snow days, you know, things like that. Or if it's hot where you live, if you're in Arizona or somewhere where it's really hot, maybe there's a day because of heat or the, the AC is out. You want to be able to show that that was a, a, a calamity day. And then I would have the data sheet. So for you, that might be a cold probe data. You might have your own data sheet where you're keeping that continuous data collection. You could have um, the task sheet where maybe you're working on labeling like Quinn was. And so you have the specific examples. And you can use that sheet for a lot of other things um, as well. Let me think. Is there anything else I want to share? Um, the only other things I want to share are that for group data collection, I would also have a group data sheet um, that would be cold probe. So I'd have each student's name, their goal, and then I'd circle plus or minus if I saw that they demonstrated that skill. And then for some of my older students, um, this is just how I used it, but you can use these for students of any age. I would use a task analysis. So I had some older students. You might have heard me talk about this in one of my ASHA courses that's for middle school and high school students. We have that as part of our CEU library and the ABA Speech Connection membership. And I would create a task analysis and that's basically just breaking down the steps of a, of a different skill. And so, for example, I had a student who would go to the cafeteria after lunch and would push in all the chairs at the different tables. And so I had all the different steps that were needed to complete that task. And the goal is that the student would do it independently. And then I could phase myself out of that role. And I would have my little clipboard and I would have my uh, pen and my paper and my task analysis sheet. And I would circle plus or minus how they did with that. So that's one other data collection system that you may want to think about. I love all things data. Data is my jam. Every single session, we really should be taking some data so that we can analyze, is our intervention helping our student? And if it isn't, what can we do to modify, tweak, to modify, tweak, so that we are helping our students reach those communication goals? Make sure that you check the show notes for all of the links that I talked about today. And if you haven't joined our membership, we recently joined, we recently launched the ABA Speech Connection CEU membership, where we offer a new live training, ASH and ACE approved every single month. I hope to see you over there. And as always, remember to keep things fun and functional. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Autism Outreach. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode full of actionable strategies you can use in your therapy room. Write a review too. That would mean so much to me. I always love hearing from you. Have a specific topic that you want included on a future show? Reach out over on Instagram, ABA Speech by Rose, or visit me at www.abaspeech.org.